And um, my title of this message is this. Teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. And as I um, consider these words, let's just bow before God in prayer and ask for his help. Father, we bow before you today and thank you, O God Almighty, that you are indeed a great God, a God who is worthy to be honored and praised. We thank you, Lord, that we can sing as we have done and lift up our hands and our voices as we have done in honor to you. And now, Lord, we want you to speak to us, Lord. We want our hearts to be still, our ears to be attentive. May it not be the preacher, Lord, trying to make a way for himself, Lord, but may your spirit, your Holy Spirit, make a way for himself. That he will be heard. That he will be understood. And not only heard and understood, but there will be life, oh God, and there will be activity in our lives through the anointing and the power of your spirit. Oh God, I pray that you will help us, Lord. Help me, help Kim, as we serve you um, in these next few moments, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, so many people say that they don't pray. Well, if you're on a sinking ship, you guarantee everyone will be praying. Prayer is the most vital part of a Christian's life. Most vital. Without prayer, you cannot sustain a Christian walk. I will say that again. Without prayer, you cannot sustain a Christian walk. In fact, you cannot begin a Christian walk without prayer. You cannot be born again without prayer. Prayer is absolutely important. And Jesus in our reading gives a model of prayer. When I was a young child, some of you may have done the same thing. When you were a young child, we quoted what was called the Lord's Prayer. It's not the Lord's Prayer, actually, but that's what we did. We quoted this prayer, and we quoted it word for word. And, and most of us here can, can rattle off the Lord, Father, Lord's my shepherd, rattle off Father, um, what's the Lord's Prayer again? Right on my head. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, there you go. It's what you call stage fright. And we can say the Lord's Prayer, but we say it word for word, but really, I don't know if you really understand what we're actually saying. And that's the problem, isn't it, with repeating words. You say them, and everybody hears you, and say, wow, he knows the Lord's Prayer. But really, do we know what we're saying? Well, Jesus here gives you, gives us a framework to work with. That's what he does. He gives us a framework and a, or, or a pattern. And so the first thing I want to say about this prayer, this Lord's Prayer, first thing I want to say about it uh, is three R's. The first R is relationship. I want you to hear me very closely throughout the whole sermon. Listen very closely because you are um, about to, in the next few weeks, 
hear what the disciples wanted to hear. Their question in the beginning of our reading was, Lord, teach me to pray or teach us to pray. And so he begins to teach them. Now, every one of us here today, including myself, we need to know how to pray. We need to know it. And so the Lord's going to help us with these first words. The first thing Jesus wants you to know is relationship. So look at what he says here. The first word he says, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father. When you pray, say, Father. Now, the amazing thing about this is because in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, God's name was held in such great honor, and so it should be, that that the, um, the men in the Old and in the New could not even speak the name or write the name of God down. It was so holy that they dared not speak it or they dared not write it correctly because they couldn't open their mouths and say God because God is so far away so higher than us that he's he's beyond us so we can't speak his name or even write it down correctly but then Jesus comes and Jesus turns around and says you see that distance do you see that huge gap between man And God, well, I have come to bridge that gap. I have come to bring down that wall of hostility. I have come to bridge that gulf. So no longer can you look at God at a distance and say, he's a man in the sky. He's so high than us. No longer can you say that. I have come so you can call God Father. And you answer, well, how did he do that? I mean, I love Jesus. When Jesus came, he himself was the first one to call God Father. And when he spoke about God, he didn't call him Elohim or Elohim or Adonai. He didn't say the word they used. He called his God my Father when he came. And now he went to the cross. You see, when he went to the cross, when they nailed him on that cross, When he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. He died in order that you would enter into the same relationship he has with God. So when you now look to the cross, and if you're born again today, you will know what I'm talking about. If you're not a Christian today, then listen very closely to me. When you look at Christ on the cross, dying for sin... And you say, Lord, I believe that that death is for me. You enter into a new relationship with God. And you are able to call him Father. Now, it's only those who are born again that can address God like that. And real prayer is about relationship. Real prayer is about coming to God and knowing that you are his son, you are his daughter, and he is your father. If you do not know God as a father, then you come to God as an alien. You come to God as a stranger, as an outsider. And a son or a daughter has a right to be heard in heaven. And the father is obligated 
to listen as a father. In fact, he says it himself. Jesus mentions these words. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? So the father listens to the son. And if you are a son or daughter of Christ, you have a right to speak to God. And the father has an obligation to hear your prayer. But if you are not, now hear me, a born-again Christian, if you're not walking with God, then you have no such right. People pray, and they do not really love God and expect God to hear them. They have no right. They have no assurance that God will hear them at all. Because it's all about relationship. Jesus condemns prayers, even from religious people who like talking in prayer. Look what he says in Matthew. He says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. They think they will be heard. God's not interested. If you're not his child, if you're not his son, then you cannot guarantee, you cannot say God will hear my prayer because God has no obligation to you. In fact, throughout the whole Testament, if you read it yourself, you will hear how many times God says, I will not listen. I close my ears. When they cry, I will not answer. And so when we go to non-Christians, people outside of the church and say, well, pray. These people who pray who are not Christians, they have to rely so much on the kindness of God. They don't even realize how much they're going to rely upon the kindness of God. But when you pray as a Christian, when you pray as a born-again believer, you can come before God with boldness, knowing that he will hear you. Why? Because you're his son, and he's your father. You're his daughter, and he's your father. He's obligated to hear you in prayer. So prayer, first of all, is about relationship. And so Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father. Say, Father. I love what Jesus also said in the Bible. It says, you know, do not call no man Father. And we've got people in other religions and stuff like calling men Father. But no, Jesus says there's only one Father. When you pray, you call him father that's from the word of god let's just go on it's not only about um, relationship it's about respect look what jesus says when you pray say father hallowed be your name i want you to notice a second thing jesus gives as a framework is a request the first petition in this prayer is this hallowed be your name. Often people go into prayer and they, they, they do prayer like you do ordering food from a fast food chain. You know, you go into the first window and, and you order your food. Or you go online. Maybe some of you shop online. And when you shop online, you like to put things in your basket and go to the checkout. And it's all about what you can get in your basket. It's all about what you can get in your brown bag at a takeaway. And it's very quick, very easy to bring that mentality of prayer 
into speaking to God. But Jesus says, when you pray, say your first request, hallowed be your name. What is he saying? He says this, your desire in prayer should be that the name of God will be held in the highest honor in your life. When you pray, the name of God should be held in great esteem. That should be your desire. Lord, I'm, Father, I'm praying that your name will be holy. I'm praying that your name will be great. I have a desire. I'm praying that your name will be lifted up. That's what you say. The first request is the name of God to be honored. And it's like that in the Old Testament. I mean, there's a few verses here in Psalm 115. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and your faithfulness. I wish more preachers would preach that kind of sermon. Not to me, oh Lord, not to me. Don't give me your attention. Don't give me your glory. But to you, oh Lord, to your name, be all the glory and all the honor. I wish more churches would give that verse more priority. Not to us. Don't bring all your money to us and so we can build bigger buildings and have luxury things. Not to us, oh God, but to your name. To your name be the glory. Also again in Psalm 145, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Why does Satan attack the name of God? Why does Satan attack the name of God? He does it constantly in our society. You have a couple of girls meet in Westfields or whatever, and first thing they say is, Oh my God, where did you get that dress from? You know what I'm talking about. You get them on Facebook or whatever. It's OMG, OMG. And it's the name of God that is thrown about. And we hear it in all our films. We hear it in all our workplaces. The name of God and Jesus Christ, that name is blaspheme among men and women today. Why does Satan attack the name of God? I'll tell you two reasons. Well, more than two reasons. First of all, he breaks, when you use that name, you break the third commandment. But also, you go against this prayer. Hallowed be thy name. Satan hates the name of Christ. And he hates it so much that he wants you to hate it as well. He hates the name so much that he wants you to hear it so often that you feel it's not special, it's not holy, it's not wonderful, it's an ordinary name. In fact, it's so ordinary, we can use it as a curse. He also knows something that you don't know too often. He knows there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. 
He knows that. He knows that too well. Every time that name was used in the New Testament, he ran the other way. Every time that name was spoken, he shivered and quaked in his boots. But he knows the name of Jesus is powerful. Many Christians don't know that. And so they use the name willy-nilly. But if you pray that prayer, hallowed be thy name. You're saying to the Lord, Lord, I want your name to be special in my life. Because when your name becomes special in my life, then my life's going to be different. I'm going to live differently. I'm going to live more to your honor and to your glory. My life will reflect more of you and less of me. When I have your name, holy in my life. Now, to make God's name holy in your life, to hallow it, is not just simply to stop using as a swear word. We all can do that. To hallow the name of God is not just to stop saying OMG. To hallow the name, three ways you can hallow the name of God in your life. The first way is by living as his child. Living as his child. What do I mean by that? Well, if you say you are a Christian, live as a Christian. If you say you are a son or daughter of God, live as a son or daughter of God. Let me give you an illustration. I have a friend. This friend, um, he built up a really great business. And the business was thriving. He's much older now. But he's built up a really great business. He's got offices in London, offices in different places of the world. And his son, one of his sons, couldn't find any work. And so he said to his son, son, okay, you can't find any work. Tell you what, I want you to go into my office in London. I rang on the manager. He says, yeah, fine, you know, you can work in the office because, of course, I'm the owner. So go in, tell them your name, and they'll give you a job. And just as the father said, the guy went into the office, told her his name, and he got the job. A few weeks later, the manager rings up the dad. I've got to sack your son, he says. He's late every morning. He goes home early. We found him asleep in a storeroom cupboard. You, you know, I hate to say it, but you've got a wonderful name, but your son is a disgrace. I've got to sack him. It's a true story. You see, the son had a wonderful name, but he didn't live up to the wonderful name. The father built him a great business, but his son was ruining his name. Now, if you are a Christian, you have a wonderful name. You belong to Christ. Now, if you're going to hallow the name of Christ, then you've got to live in a way that people can say, yeah, That guy, he's different. That woman belongs to God. But living as his child. The second way we can hallow his name, we can hallow his name by putting him first. Jesus is a great example of that. When I look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, If you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, 
but yours be done. You see, Jesus hallowed the name of God. And he was concerned to put him first. You see, when you hallow the name of God in your prayer, it's not coming into prayer and saying, right, Lord, me, me, me. Let me have the blessing. Let me have all the goodness from you. Me, me, me. No, it's more about, Lord, how? How can I put you first in my life? If you don't pray like that, your prayers are only scratching the surface. You're only barely praying when you pray all about yourself. But when you begin to pray, oh God, help me to put you first in all my decisions. Then you begin to pray. Then you begin to cry out to God. Then you begin to get his attention. Because you begin to put him first. You see, Jesus is teaching these guys, you know. He want, they want to pray like him. They want to get on their knees like him. They saw him praying and they say, Lord, we see you praying and we want to learn how you, okay, you want to pray like me? Let me show you how I pray. And if you want power in your life, if you want victory in your life, if you want strength in your life, then look at me and watch me praying. And when I pray, I say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. That's where real power comes, when people begin to pray like that. So you hallow God's name by living as a child of his, by putting him first, and finally, you hallow his name by trusting him. By trusting him. When you cast all your cares, and we got cares, haven't we? cares for the family, cares over our finances, cares over our future, cares over our health. When you begin to cast all your cares upon Jesus and say, Lord, I trust you. I'm worried about my children, but I'm trusting you. I'm worried about my health but I'm trusting you. I'm worried about my future, but I'm trusting you. I'm worried about going to university as some of our young people are, but I'm trusting you. I am trusting you. In fact, the psalmist says, do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save, but trust in the Lord. The proverb psalmist, the guy in, in Proverbs Says Solomon says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Father, I hallow your name. I want you to be honored in my life. I want to live as your child. Those who see me, I want them to know that I belong to you. I want you, O oh Lord. To be put first in everything I do, everything I, I, I put my mind to, I want you to be first. And Lord, I don't want to trust in man. I want to trust in you. We sang that song, didn't we? And I will trust in you alone. And I will trust in you alone.
And that's how you honor, you hallow, you set God apart. When you begin to do these things, it's not just about not swearing, not saying the words that you know is wrong. It's not about just doing that. It's about living differently. And when you live differently, you put God in the right place in your life. You hallow his name. You make his name holy. Let me just close with the third thing Jesus says. Respect, renew. Relationship, respect, renew. Look what Jesus says. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Now, you need to understand that what Jesus was saying when he spoke about his kingdom. You see, when he spoke about his kingdom in Acts chapter 1, after his resurrection, I love this verse, one of my best verses in the Bible. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. The resurrection is so wonderfully important that Jesus made sure that he gave many convincing proofs he was alive. He appeared to them for over 40 days. I want you to see that a resurrection is so fundamentally important that Jesus gave convincing proofs over 40 days that he was alive. And what was he talking about in those 40 days? He appeared to them over 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. That is what he spoke about. Now, when you pray... Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. When you pray these words, you are aware, you should be aware, that there's a, there's a kingdom that's already here. Most people don't really understand that, but it's true. There's a kingdom that's already here. That kingdom is a kingdom of darkness. That kingdom is a kingdom that Satan has set up himself. We're living in a society that has a kingdom already. The kingdom is all around us. It's a kingdom of darkness. And unlike God's kingdom, this kingdom blinds men and women. They're all walking to a cliff edge. No one knows, no one says, don't go that way. They're all walking. A whole society is walking to the edge of a cliff. And one day, the whole society will fall into hell. That is the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness. So when you pray, your kingdom come. You're asking, Lord, we want your kingdom of light, your kingdom of freedom, your kingdom of life to come now. Now, many of you don't know this because many of you don't know church history, but if you look back at least 50 or 100 years, there was time where God brought renewal to the church. 
Some of us call it revival in areas. If you go into Scotland or Wales, they've got history where the Holy Spirit came down in such a way that the kingdom of darkness was pushed out. And the kingdom of God came in. What did it look like? Well, when it looked, I think it looked like this. It looked like that the courts had no one to prosecute because there was no one in the courts. The police officers had no one to arrest because there was no one causing trouble. The pubs were closed down because there was no one drinking. Now, you don't even know. Some of you don't even realize that. That is part of our history. If you go back and look in 1859, you look at some of the revivals in 1904 or 1905 in different parts of the world, there was such a movement of God in the society that the kingdom of darkness was pushed back. And the pubs were closed down. The prisons were empty. The police officers were sitting in their cars. Nothing to do. Why? Because there were some people in those days that was praying, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. And God said, my kingdom will come. And it came in those days and ages and people saw a revival. Check the history books, my friends. It's there. But we're not seeing God's kingdom now. What we are seeing is murder upon our streets, police officers being shot in petrol stations, women's bodies being stabbed and put in the back of boots of cars, people being found in canals, death and murder, violence. That is the kingdom of Satan at work. And that's why, as a church, that's why I'm so glad so many of you are here this morning. That is what a church should be doing. A church should be knowing how to pray. Because when we begin to pray, things change. A society can change. When we begin to pray in the model and the pattern, what the Lord Jesus taught us. It's not about just saying the Lord's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, boom, finished. It's not about a pattern. It's not about words. It's about coming to God and saying, oh God almighty, I want your name to be hallowed, Father. And I want your kingdom to be in Loughton. Wouldn't it be amazing for God's kingdom to be where you live? For God's kingdom to be down your road? For God's kingdom to be in your house? For God's kingdom to be in your life? Wouldn't that be amazing? Where God is king. But it happens when you say to the Lord, Lord, teach me to pray. I want to pray. I want to move away from the childish prayers, the greedy prayers, the give me, give me prayers. I want to move away from the drop my coin in a box prayers and wait for my candy bar to come out on the other end. I want to come away from that. I want to come away from the prayers of rubbing my lamp and the genie pops out and saying, what do you want? I want to come away from that kind of praying. And I want to pray like Jesus. I want to pray like Jesus. But when he prayed, he said, not my will be done, Lord, but your will. Not to us, not to us, be the glory, 
but to your name be the glory. Let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, I ask myself, how many of us are really saying, teach me to pray? How many of us really want to pray like Jesus? My desire, O God Almighty, is that this church, as we start this new term, as we go on, Lord, to a new era of this particular year, Lord, we we want to go and move into a place where we are known to be a praying people. A people, Lord God, who will lay hold of you. A people who will cry out, Father, Father, and be in right relationship with you. A people who will turn around and, and, and cause your name to be held in high regard, in high respect in our hearts and in our lives. A people who long to see your kingdom established in our areas. Father, we come before you and we ask you to help us to pray. Pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit upon this church, O God, that you will make this church, the people gathered in it, a people who will cry out, Abba, Abba, Father, and pray in the power of your spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.